On today's episode, Dave interviews Michael Shepard. Michael has been on Criminal Minds, Frasier, Monk, Ally McBeal, Arrested Development, ER, and Strong Medicine. Michael is co-artistic director of the Celebration Theater. He's had four Joseph Jefferson nominations and was named one of LA's most fascinating people for LA Weekly's People 2014 issue. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. It's not true that everybody does it. People are saying, yeah, but each party, each political party is, you know, they, they do just bad things. But if you look at the, I'm getting political right away. If you look Political at, right away is all right with me. Yeah, if you look at the, if you look at the platform, they're different. Vastly they're, different. Di- exactly. Vastly different. Right. And, and, what, and, and, what, and again, I, I think that it's lazy to say that both sides, it's lazy and it's not true to say that both sides are guilty. I mean, both sides are guilty of something. Oh, you know, but if you look at it now, now there's not just two sides, there's three sides. What's that? You know, there, you know, it, there is the sort of common sense side, mm-hmm. the less than common sense side, and then the crazy side. <laughs> right. Right, 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 you right, know, right, right. Where it's right. like, I just want everything to be, <clears throat> go back to 1850 and... You know, black people in chains, no more brown people, no more yellow people, no more red people, nothing, you know. I ju- I, the things that come out of people's mouths are crazy. They're just crazy. That people will say uh, there's something going on with um, uh, the new, uh, not the speaker, but the guy took Eric Cantor's place. He's uh, McCarthy. I want to say Kevin McCarthy, but I don't think that that's right, but maybe that's his name. Um, representative, and they interviewed people today on the New York. The New York Times had an article today about people in that neighborhood, in that area, saying things like, um, this, "These people come to this country and it's just want, 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 want." And then somebody says, so a, a Latino man said, "Yeah, that's what they say until they want something from you." And then it's like, "Hey, Pedro, okay. can you come over here and help me dig a hole?" It, it's it's craziness. It is absolute craziness. And you said something that really sticks in my craw when people come over here. Right. And it's like, um, the only people who were actually here were Native Americans, let's be real clear. Right. And then, you know, and then we came over here, stole, raped, pillaged. Right. We introduced the concept of borders. We didn't introduce it, but we certainly, well, we did introduce it in a way. The concept of borders and, uh, um, what's another way to put it? The concept of borders and definitions, whereas I don't know that there there was such thing as borders when the Native Americans lived here. I also believe that the borders, it's not just a geographical border like Kansas ends here and Missouri is here. It's also the borders that we see between each other that only exist because we say that they exist. I have to go back to one thing. A lot of it starts, well, a, a, a lot of it's just based in ignorance. Yes, all of it. But then a lot of it is also based in the idea of religion. Oh, I was which, thinking that same thing today. <laughs> which maybe might not be a topic we should get, go no, on. No, 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 because I, I totally agree with that. Because yeah. I, I feel like, for me, I feel like there's, I want to start all over again. Not with us, but I want to start all over again. Where we we don't start with the religion, but we start with the concept of spirituality. And the moment that we we start, because when, once we start with religion, because again we're putting up there's this person, this person, this person, this person, as opposed to the concept that we all have a spirit that we're running through, and this spirit is really about the way that we look at things, the the air that we collectively breathe, the excitement that we collectively have, the sadness that we collectively live through, and to accept that. And then 
then if you want to put something else upon that where you need the, de the deities, then fine. But I, 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 for me, I feel the same way. I feel like religion has, there was that, uh, 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 Crosby does a Nash song, um, where he's talking about, I forget, I think it was Graham Nash, was saying, um, I can't believe how many people died in the name of Christ. I just can't believe it all. And you look at that and you go, right? Right? I know. It's kind of crazy. And Were you raised religiously? I was raised Baptist. And then uh, my brother, my oldest brother, became a Pentecostal minister. Mm -hmm. So then I swooped myself over there because he started preaching at a church. And I said, oh, I, my brother's there, so I'll go. And it was my very first first true taste of intolerance and um wow. ignorance because and pentecostal is mostly pentecostal yeah. isn't baptist is uh, a, a large a large african-american population a large absolutely black population, absolutely right? and then uh, they're white baptists too right? oh yeah okay so but there's also i don't know much about it being jewish jewish a jew but pentecostal is it is like that super believe fully in what the bible says that, you know, that there was a man who placed the world on the uh, world's pains on his shoulders and walked across the ocean because he was tall enough to not drown. That type of stuff. They yeah. actually believe that. They believe t truly that Noah's Ark existed and that there were two of every kind where you just go, okay. And I, I, for me, I'm a person of science. And, you know, it was it has been a very long journey for me from being, you know, this little Baptist kid to this Pentecostal kid to a um, uh, who I am now, which is an atheist. Right. You know, it's like I, I just look at people now. It's like people get very upset with me because when someone says to me, oh, I'll pray for you, and I go, and I'll think for you. <laughs> well, my, my question here is, what did you say to your brother? Uh, my brother, who I don't I've, – I've really only talked to maybe once a year if we go home. Okay, fine. There's nothing – I mean, first of all, he's 21 years older than I am. Uh-huh. So there is all of that. Right. And um, his belief system is very different from mine, mm -hmm. um, where it's – for me, it's like, if you want to be religious, I'm great with that. If that's what makes you happy, if that's what fulfills your life, right. cool. You like it, I love it. Right. But – if your belief system then impinges upon my belief system and what it is, and that I'm wrong because I don't believe the same things that you believe in, then I have a big problem with that. I think that that's a huge part. Uh, you know, why you're entitled, I, you're entitled to your religion, you're entitled to your political belief, you're entitled to all those things as long as it does not impinge upon my freedom, if you will. You know, that's such an overused word, but my freedom, my liberty, whatever you want to call it, if it does impinge upon that, then you've, you've crossed the line. And then as I'm hearing myself say this, I'm also thinking, oh, David, please, what fucking difference does it make, really? You know what I mean? People are going to be who they are. I think my uh, the biggest thing is like, if I post something that is anti-religion on my Facebook page mm -hmm. and I'll get this response from people. Well, it's not all Christians are like that. That's not all Christians. And I agree with that. But when I get the response, well, there is only one God. And I, and I say, then why are, is everyone fighting with each other? Because the God of people of Kentucky is different than the God of people of Illinois, which is different than the God of people of California. Which is different than the God of people in, 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 in Syria. Exactly. It's like, but how can you make that statement, there is only one true God? And I'm like, really? 
That's the, that, that's what you believe in. You, you know, everything else, anyone else believes in. You know, there was this, uh, the senator in uh, Arkansas who um, a few days ago who said to these people who uh, who wouldn't marry, uh, not senator, I'm sorry, uh, the, a court justice who wouldn't marry an atheist couple because they didn't believe in God. He would right. not marry them. Right. And here's the thing. How, so in that community, that's okay. In Arkansas, that's okay. I think that Europe had it right. Just let these states become countries and I just fucking won't visit them and I don't want to count on their money and I don't want their elected officials you know, having anything to do with my rights. You know what I mean? Well, the thing is, though, it's like, you know, there's all these, you know, there are these states that want to succeed from the U.S. I'm like, let them. And then, you know, and then when they come crawling back, asking, right. wanting, right. needing, then like we can laugh, them at, laugh in their faces. I believe, I also <laughs> think, I, I look at what happens, I look at what, I, I, oh my God, I look at what happened, of course, with the Civil War and that's, you know, seceding from the Union and all that sort of stuff. And then we brought them back in and people are not aware of what happened back then. And so when they say things like we're going to uh, we're going to secede from the Union, they don't realize what the fuck that means. They don't know what federalism means. They don't know what state government means. They don't know the, the separation of the different uh, legislative bodies. And for me, I could sit in my high house and go, well, I don't fucking know about it. But when did we stop being curious? When did fuckers stop fucking being curious? And to say, wait a minute, I'm going to snopes the shit out of everything. Everything. It's like we, we've, we've stopped learning. In fact, there is a, a portion of this country that looks upon learn Those of us who are learned, mm -hmm. uh, they look at us like, oh, see, now you're being elitist and... You know, you're like, you know, you're holding yourself above me. It's like, mm -hmm. no, I want to know. I want to be curious. I come from a family. I was raised in a small town in Illinois. What, what city? Uh, Alton, Illinois. Uh -huh. Also known as the most haunted town in America. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh -huh. that should tell you something. No. <laughs> you know, where I was thinking about that guy that used to do the haunted tours. Because uh, I think he was from Alton, Illinois. He did it. Uh, he was. Uh, Kyle. Is it Kyle? What's his last Kyle name? Kyle Nudo. I can't remember. No, I know he does those. Yeah. So okay. So all Illinois, known as the most haunted town in America, home of the world's tallest man, Robert uh -huh. Watlow, uh -huh. and Phyllis Schlafly. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So and you know and Miles Davis. Wow. You know, so it's kind of a crazy mixture of folk. Well, you know. if, if that doesn't tell you right off the bat that uh, every place is different, <laughs> uh, then I don't know what does. Phyllis Phyllis Schlafly and Miles Davis. I know. They could, you know. They both were oppressive of women. Right? 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 <laughs> just made that and I, connection. I, I, well, I'm going to go a little right turn on that. Uh, not right being conservative turn. But the idea of um, how many people... Okay, so we're in... Uh, me. Me. I. Me. I am intolerant of Phyllis Schlafly because of her intolerance of everything else, of, of, of all the things that I live for. And then you've got Miles Davis, who is such a misogynist and abusive, and abusive to women, and yet... Kind of blue, and you know, a, a green dolphin street, and all these awesome things that he did. And I go, oh, okay. I I say okay to the art. I don't say okay to the person. Got it. Okay, but can you say okay to the Phyllis Schlafly her output? But it, what is her output adding to society, making us a better place? That's your judgment That's, on it. Yeah. 
And, and again, I'm not playing devil's advocate because I totally agree with you. But for me, I need to sit back and say, Am, what, what, is, what does my intolerance weigh? How much does my intolerance weigh? Because I absolutely. I, I, and I, oh, I'm incredibly intolerant. Right. And when people say, are you racist? Yes, I am absolutely racist because that is a part of our DNA. But then again, you also ask yourself, you know, we're sitting here, and uh, people can't tell, but uh, you, you're a black man. I'm black, and, and you're a Jew. Exactly. Oh, right? my so, gosh. So there's a lot. So in that, we could go, okay, but you didn't have to weigh out saying, okay, what has David done in his life? Because you don't see me that way, and I don't see you that way. Do you understand? So we are intolerant, and, and yet we also can go, okay, all right, really. But I, I think I'm becoming less that, though. Because, I, think, I mean, because I look at things like this, you know, like Chris Brown. Uh-huh. And I go, I don't like his art. I don't like his, you know, his behavior, you know, his right. energy and his attitude. I can totally dismiss that person from my life because it's like, I don't need that energy around me. Right. Not that he's like a personal friend and he's walking through my house. No. But I go, I don't need to support that in any way. Right. Or, you know, I look at, you know, some of the, the behavior of athletes or politicians. I go... I can't be around that person. I can't have that, those thoughts right. going in my head because it would drive me crazy. Right. You know, I spend, this is like a big confession, I spend about 20 minutes a day listening to Fox News. Mm-hmm. Wow, in wow. In my car when I'm driving. Wow. I listen to it because I need to know. I, there's something, something in me that needs to know what they're saying, how they're spinning, how, what it is. And it is eye-opening. I know. The things that you hear, you know, and you go, but no, that's absolutely wrong because, you know, they're like the whole thing that they're saying about um, they're really trying to uh, put the, uh, the the failure of this war that we are currently in, have been in for a while on our current president. And and they're saying, well, it was the uh, Democrats who got us in this war. They act, I actually said that. And they play clips of tapes of. Well, we got this intelligence, and so we're going to support it. I'm like, where, where did the intelligence come from? It came from the Republican Party down, and people said, okay, we were told this, and we're going to support you because you're our president, Mr. Bush. You're our president. We're going to support you, and then find out the intelligence is wrong. We go into a meaningless war, and all of a sudden, it's like these pundits on the right, and I would say far right especially, that are saying, well, it's your fault because you shouldn't have followed them. You mm. should have been smarter. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Oh, it's it, it's but it's very eye opening, and I don't think about twenty minutes because it pisses me off. I but it's interesting that you use the phrase eye opening because I feel like aren't your eyes already open to that? And how much more do you have to have your eyes open? I mean, really, my eyes are open. But if my eyes are open, and I believe they are, when someone says something completely asinine, your eyes go. Even more. Yeah, okay. And you yeah, go, right. oh, it's like, you know, the old exercise. Now stretch. Now just a <laughs> little bit further. You can do it. You know, one more half inch. Right. Like, you could be more, you could be more upset over this. Just yeah. another half inch. Yeah. What is that that makes me and you, because you're saying the same thing and I do the same thing, although I'm not trolling. Um <laughs> Or trawling. Uh, yeah, although I believe I'm not old enough to troll, and that's that's a gay joke. It's an, oh, is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. Is that what does that mean? Like when you go, like old old men who go to the bars and look like look for very young boys. Oh, He's so not it's trolling. The, it's it's in it's it, there's a Venn diagram of cougars and trolls. It's the same thing, right? Because cougars, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I 
Okay. <laughs> of course okay. that happens. Of course that happens. Eye opening. See, of I made that you stretch a yes, little you did. more. Yes, you did. I think about older men with older people with younger people. And I went through, uh, I've had three girlfriends who were 20 years younger than I. And it's something, and certainly the heterosexual community is different than the, than the gay community, um, in that there seems to be more of a tolerance for that than there does in. Would you say that or no? In, uh, uh, more of a tolerance in the uh, gay tolerance community? for uh, yeah in in the older man and the the older man and the younger man then is. I I, I think there is always going to be that sense of. I know for me I, I see a older man with a very younger man I go. Well, there's money involved. I think we immediately tend uh-huh. to go there. I think it's where we've sort of been taught. I never go there. You know? I don't ever go there. I, I kind of always go there. I think that when you said taught, I think for me, when you said that's what I was taught, I felt like, I feel like saying, yeah, well, well, for me, taught is used in a different word because the younger man's skin is more taught. And so they may want that, you know. So I mean, I'm listening to that word and I'm hearing taught in that way. Um, I, 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 first of all, I don't. I, the whole younger man, older man thing. Yeah, it's it's. I I enjoy, yeah. you know, looking at anyone. You know, uh, you know, anyone of age. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Of right, age. Right. 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 That you know is it's very attractive, whether it's male or female. Mm-hmm. I think you know we enjoy that. Right. Um, I asked for dating, and I've been you know happily married for eighteen years. You have been. You guys have been together for a long years. time. Eighteen years. I would like the like the um, the percentage of gays who have been together for 18 years or more. I would like to see that as well. I wonder what that is. And I think that those kind of statistics are start going to start to be uh, accumulated, counted, looked at. Yeah. Um, because, wow, the time that we live in, man. Because of gay marriage. The uh, time that we live in, gay marriage. Gay marriage, which will eventually be just called marriage. Marriage. I, you know, it's funny because I, 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 I read into opponents of that frequently mm-hmm. for whatever reason because um, I tend to put myself in situations where not I try to educate more than I try to yell at got it you know and um, when so, I, I was recently in, the, in a position where someone said well it's just wrong it's absolutely wrong and I went you're you know in your mid 60s going into your 70s in 10 years your thoughts your opinions are going to be dead <laughs> and right. it was just it was just that simple. Right. So you could hold on to it as right. much as you want, but know that the person who is 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old, who is behind you, who is going to be changing the world. Who is changing the world, yeah. They're coming behind you. You can hold on to your opinion as long as you want. Right. But I, again, you like it, I love it. Hold on to it. Right. Be strong. Right. Tell me it's wrong. But in 10 years, you'll be dead, and so will your opinion. I, for me, I look at so many. I look at so many people who have an opinion like that, and I uh, and I think. So, I, I think. Convince me. Convince me that you're right, because I don't understand why you say that's wrong. So I want to know. So I'm not arguing with you. I just want. I want to know why you say that's wrong. What is wrong about that? Well, it, it, I'm not asking you. No, no, but I'm I, I, but that. it's funny because. Um, during the vote for Prop 8, uh, we had uh, uh, a nanny um, in her mid-60s, mm-hmm. uh, Latina, and she was very much against gay marriage. Right. She was our nanny, and she's loving, wonderful, but that's just something that she felt she couldn't believe it. Now, oddly, she has a gay son, 
with two adopted children and a partner. <laughs> and that's but one of the she, reasons that you, but, you know, was that one of the reasons that you took her on as a nanny? Well, yeah, we, you know, right. and, but we kept going, well, your son is gay with his partner. They want to get married because they have adopted these two kids. What is it that makes you, you know, intolerant, intolerant towards this? And she, and everything came down to the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And I, we, my husband and I sat down with her and we're just like, you know, well, do and, and looking at the similarities of what our life is with our children and the other life of children and marriage and the whole thing. And by the time this conversation was over, it went on for a few, a few times. And she came, the day, she actually uh, uh, came and was with the kids the day of the election. And she came in and said, I voted no on Prop 8. I was like, really? She goes, you convinced me. Right. You convinced me. Right. That there is no difference. Now, what we do and what I do in that situation is I, I, I don't go, yay, I won. I think, oh, thank God there's hope for some people. There's exactly. hope for humanity. There is. And it's not about me winning. It's just about me saying, where's the... I want to take a breath. I want to take a breath, a deep breath, every time I see somebody say something that makes me lose my breath. I want to get my breath back. So when somebody That's a great says way that, to put it. yeah, when somebody says that, I want to, I want, <laughs> when something takes my breath away, I want it back. <laughs> and the way I get it back is to go, okay, I'm going to be in this moment right now and deal with whatever this is happening right now because uh, that cannot possibly be your truth. And, and if it is your truth, great, because truth can be changed. A fact can't be changed. One and one is two, and that's what it's going to be. But the intolerance that you see, the ignorance that you see, the connection that you see because of your culture, and I'm not saying Latina, I'm talking about the culture of those of people who really, the, the Pentecostal people who really look at the Bible and go, that is what it is. That is it, the truth. Exactly. Nothing else is. Right. And to look at that and watch people go, oh. But, that's crazy. Yeah, the thing is, though, is that, okay, it, it's, it's the cherry picking, though. Mm-hmm, right. That's, that's the thing that gets to me. It's like, oh, so it's, the Bible says, you know, gays are wrong. Well, the Bible says a lot of shit. Right. A lot, a of, lot, shit. lot of shit. A lot of shit. And it's like, and, you know, which, you know, it's all been out there. It's on the internet. Just look for it. But it's like, if you are going to come after me for being queer, then I can come after you because, hey, let's just start with the whole football thing, the touching of the pigskin. Okay, right. that that alone, that if you want to do something, shut down the NFL. Right. Ah, there you go. Right. Or your bacon cheeseburger. Hello. Hello. M- meat, cheese, touching. Meat, cheese, bacon. Bacon, touching. Right. No, it's like, you know, so it's like, don't, you know, it's like, do not. And I, I actually challenge people to bring religion up to me. I'm like, I, I enjoy when you bring religion in. Well, you, did you, did you go, you went to Sunday school? I did. It was the worst experience ever. How did, how long did you go? I think I went one summer. That's all. I think it was only one summer, uh-huh. but the woman who I don't remember who it was, but my niece was in the same class and all, and the first day, all she talked about were the fires of hell. Wait, not your niece, but this teacher. This teacher. Got it. I didn't remember who the teacher was. Uh-huh. An older woman, older uh-huh. black woman. And my niece, who was two years younger than me, was in my oldest brother's daughter was in this class with me. And um, Baptist? Uh, or is this Pentecostal? This was at a Baptist church. Okay, a, you know, Baptist camp. Yeah. Vacation Bible school. Uh, th- those two things, those things can't go know, together. Vacation, vacation Bible, Bible school. school. Mm, mm. Those three words. Yeah. 
Bible school, no, vacation Bible doesn't make sense at all. Exactly. Vacation Bible school, yeah. vacation school, I'll go to that. I'll go to vacation school. Yeah. VBS, <laughs> as they called it. Of course they yeah. would. And so, and all she did, I, and I have this memory so clearly, was talking about how we were all going to burn in hell for our sins, how we were all going to die, how all this stuff was going to happen to us and our flesh ripping from our bodies. And I remember my niece, Cynthia, burst into tears. And I went, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. This is your tactic to get us to believe in this, this beautiful person who, you know, this, uh, you know, this, you know. You're talking about Jesus or your niece? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I think about this beautiful person. This, Are you talking this, about your... this beautiful person? They want us to believe in this beautiful person who lives in the sky, uh-huh. uh, you know, amongst sheep and lambs, right? And you know, right? And but they're using this imagery to scare us, right? And to believe into it. Well, the thing is, like, like there was some, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, an, there was a church somewhere. I'm gonna guess it was the South, and it was just in the news the other day. They were giving away automatic weapons, AR-15s, to people. <laughs> if, kidding if me? You, I missed that. Two automatic rifles. If you, if in a raffle, if you came to to church, you could win that. And I'm thinking they they call it a Lamborghini of of rifles. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? How do you justify those two things? How do you do that? There's no justification. First of all, you talk about religion, which is man-made. Right. It's all man-made. Right. It's, you know, and then you then, okay, if it's man-made, then as a man, I can change it and morph it and shape it into any way I want. Right. You know, that's why we have, you know, it's like, that's why all these, there's these people over here believe that I can have rifles and church. Right. You know, and then there's these people over here who believe I don't want rifles in church. Right. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, and it's also, I, Jesus says, love everyone. But, but how do you, I, I think that <laughs> if you were Pentecostal or uh, like any, any fundamental, I don't know how you leave the house and deal with humanity. I don't know how you do that, how you walk around and see things and it not make you drive you crazy. The idea that we're polluting the earth and yet we're polluting the earth and, and which is going to be a legacy for our offspring and, we're con- and, and we go, oh, we're polluting the earth and go, ah, that's okay. But what we're really concerned about is a debt that we're leaving our children, you know, because we're investing in things like education and pollution regulations oh, and all that oh. sort of thing. And, and you don't see those two things weighing the same? If I hear one more Southern-sounding voice sound off about that there is no, there, there, you know, that um, there is nothing happening to our climate. There's no climate change. Right. If I hear one more voice, and it's always that same sound. Right. It's always that same Southern <laughs> chest-beating sound. Right. And I'm like... What is it? I mean, I know the entire South is not like this. Right. I have some very intelligent relatives who live in the South. Right. But what is it about that sound and the statements that come out of that sound that just ripped me to shreds? Oh, no, I totally, I, 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 I absolutely, I, I, I so agree with that. And I so don't want to be that guy. I really don't want to be that guy that says, oh, there's a Southern voice, but I get it. And I really wonder, especially if you live in Florida 
Miami, Boca Raton, and you're a Republican and you're denying climate and you can see you can the see water it. coming up. And if you want to go, no, 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 we could do something about it. And you know, again, I go back to this. What legacy are we leaving our children? If you're concerned about uh, 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 abortion and you're, you're anti-abortion, then you also have to be anti, for me, I feel like you also have to be anti-capital uh, uh, punishment. If you are concerned about the deficit that we're leaving our children fiduciarily, financially, then you also have to be concerned about the deficit of clean water, clean air uh, uh, that we're leaving our children as well. And and how you, and again, it's that cherry picking. And I feel, you know, like some people are going to listen to this go, oh my God, really? They're going to spend an hour just fucking bitching? But, Bitch. but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I, feel like I, 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 what I don't understand is I don't understand how people aren't riled up. I don't understand why people feel that their voices don't matter. And I think that what's happening, certainly in Louisiana right now, where you got Bobby Jindal, who's this governor in Louisiana, Boy. and I posted something today, and someone says, "Yeah, but it's not, it's not everybody feeling that way." Well, if it's not a majority of people feeling that way, how did that cocksucker fucking get elected to begin with? And you know how? People who needed, who people who ignorantly vent vote. People who don't ignorantly Sick. do it, they don't. So there's a skepticism, a pessimism, not a skepticism, a pessimism, a cynicism. cynicism. There's a cynicism. It's total cynicism because people still believe that their vote doesn't count, and it does. Um, I remember back in the 80s being arrested, you know, um, right at the beginning of what was then, you know, grid, then became, you know, AIDS. Uh-huh. Um, grid. Yeah. And then, you know... And, how how and, what were you arrested? For what were you arrested? Oh, with ACT UP. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because we were fighters. Right. I come from, you know, we were was fighters. Was this in Chicago? In Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, we were fighters. Right. We need, We saw that there was an injustice. Right. And we fought against that injustice. Right. You know, and you can imagine the intolerance of the 80s. Right. You know. Right. And now we're in 2014 where we have bloggers right and the bloggers don't agree with something right and they're upset right oh i couldn't you why would you use the word tranny because that upsets me oh fuck you you know stop being so fucking sensitive first of all i really i, I like, for me i don't know enough so about it i don't know enough about it so i'm gonna uh, but i you know i i look at someone uh i look at alexandra billings uh and i and i go is is what i call it i i don't know what words to use and what words not to use Alex, Alex is a woman. Yeah, straight up. I think, it, it, I think what bothers me is that we want to put terms on everything. I mean, like the moniker of, for my theater, Celebration Theater, is you know we're the oldest continuously producing lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, queer, questioning, right. intersex, two spirited. What's intersex? You know? What's two spirited? What the hell is that? I just okay. throw them in. What's that? I just throw them in. Because they're there. They, they tell me, you know, they keep adding, and I'm trying to be politically correct. And it's like, you know, my whole thing is like, just just use the term queer. I, right. I've taken it back. I own it. I am a queer man. Right. Uh, you know, I just can't be bothered. You could probably just throw other words in there that don't make any sense at all. A turret Egg- spinner. Eglophile. Right. Exactly. Just, just throw, you know, exactly. Eglophilic. So you're looking, you're looking at that uh, in order to be ex- inclusive, but what ends up also happening is there's an exclusivity that happens once we start to define things. Well, then we throw in the word allied. 
Okay. So, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, two-spirited, and allied theater. So that then, like, everybody come into the pool. You know, it's an all-skate, people. It's an all-skate. That's awesome. You know, it's and, all-skate. You know, I just think right now, I mean, me, it's like, you know, I get into trouble for my mouth all the time in many ways. Hello. Um, and I, I, I have to be honest. It's like, I go, we need to actually try to come together before we start splintering off. Right. And I think that's what's happening is that we are so busy, we, have, we can't look at, at, at the whole picture because we're so busy looking at this little tiny piece of the picture. Right. And it's like, come on, it's like the fact that, you know, in 2014, I still experienced racism within the gay community. Right. right. Like, you know, it's like, come on. Right. Really? But I go, okay, I'd rather know, th- if you're going to call me a nigga, thank you, because I don't know who you are. And I know exactly how to handle you. I know exactly how to deal with you. Right. I don't have to get mad. I don't get mad or angry anymore because right. it's like, really, that's all you got? Okay, so I know exactly who you are. Right. I can move on from you. Right. You know, I am more offended if someone says, God, you're really getting fat. Then I'm hurt. <laughs> then that hurts me. That's when I get hurt. I think that the hurt of that is, oh, there's something, I perceive there's something I could do about that, yeah, and I'm exactly. not. And yeah. I'm per- yes, 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 yes. That, that all skate thing. The, and and then we haven't even talked about uh, really uh, acting. Uh, not that we have to, but I look at that and I also feel like as we're as we're talking, I keep thinking what an amazing. Oh boy, I get I get moved by it, and and it's a civil rights thing. We are living in an amazing transformative civil rights movement at this moment. Um, and I think that we're going to look at this later on and say shit really opened up for a lot of people, even though there is that struggle that's happening still and will continue to struggle for a long time until that 60-year-old guy is dead, buried, and he's, you know, he's, and and the worms are wiping off their fingers from eating him. I I wish I could remember who it was, but there's a a congressman or uh, older congressman who changed his opinion on gay marriage. Yes, because of his son? Because, yeah, and, and said, his son said to him, I don't want you, when the time comes, to be on the wrong side of history. I think that's a very important thing. I think that a lot of people, when this looked, is looked at 30, 40, 50 years from now, there's going to be the wrong side and the right side. Right. You know? Well, I wonder with people who were so vociferous against uh, Obamacare, who then re- heard somebody say, oh, my God, um, my sister, they found a, they found a lump. In her breast, and because of the affordable Obamacare, she was able to get. She's alive now, and people go, "Oh, I guess you're right." Where are they now saying we're sorry? Where are they now saying, "Oh, you're right"? Where are they now saying, "Oh, there's that that black guy that is is our president"? You know what he's he is? He's just a president. <clears throat> Again, labels. Right. Labels. Right. You know. Right. I don't know what else to say about it. It's so interesting coming. I'm gonna I'm gonna head into the the theater thing now. Um, when we, as an improviser, uh, an actor who improvises, as an improviser, I feel like if someone said, um, "Oh, we got we have," and we're in a scene, and and, and somebody says, "Oh, we have to. Uh, we we better get our shit together. The judge is coming," and we're in a scene, and somebody enters. Who do you see entering? 
What color do you see that person entering? What gender do you see that person entering? You know, I'm not, it's a rhetorical question. Yeah. But back when I first started, it would have been a guy entering. A white guy. Yeah. Oh, clearly a white guy. And if it was a black guy, it'd be like, oh, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> That's why that's funny. A black a guy. Black judge. A judge. Would you look at that? It doesn't even look like Thurgood Marshall, the only black judge ever up to that point. You know what I mean? But nowadays, we open it up. Nowadays, a woman comes in and you don't think twice about it. No. Because what happened was the label, the, when you say judge, now judge means one thing as opposed to there's a picture of that. But that's progress. That's, that's complete progress. And, you know, but it took, it's funny because I believe that in the theater community and in the improv community, uh, more so in the theater community, but we took more risks and our risks um, actually were reflecting, the world was seeing our risk, and I think the world was taking more risks because of the work that we were doing. Yes, of course. You know? Well, people were starting to see models and standards that question their belief system, you know, because and they're seeing it up on stage. Yeah. Right? And that affects people. That Clearly. totally affects people. Right. So, you know, when people say, you know, when I hear people go, well, are the arts really important? And I'm like, yeah, a little bit. You know, because it is it for me. Had had I not had the arts, had I not had theater and theater folk who were like me, right. when I thought that my brain was the only brain that worked a certain way, right? And if I didn't how alone have, that feels, you know how absolutely alone when you're from a small town where everyone is like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I was uh, eleven years, twelve years, twelve years old, eleven or twelve years old, and um, I remember discovering Barbara Streisand, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my god. And it was evergreen. It was like, uh -huh. oh my god, oh my god, this is who? Who is this? What is this going on? And I and I was just moved by Barbara Streisand. Right. And I remember taking it to I had three buddies who lived down the street, and we all got together. We were playing music. I said, "You guys, you have to hear this. This is the greatest singer ever. This she's amazing." I put it on. They were like, "What the fuck is this bullshit? This is fuck this. I don't know who, who is. This? You think this is better than Aretha Franklin?" What? And I was like, <laughs> and literally. They were threatening me because of this, you know, because I loved Barbara Streisand. And which further made you feel ostracized? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, and it also made me want to hide things right. that I found. Because even growing up in that, you know, there is there's still a racial intolerance within the within the black community. Right. You know, because there's still so much fear and distrust among for white people that it's that is still prevalent today, even in my family. Uh -huh. I go home and like uh, me and my husband and the kids will go out to dinner someplace. They go, you went there? You know, only white people go there. I still hear this. Right. And I go, what do you mean only white people go right. there? Right. It's like, I, I, what? <laughs> you know? But that is that, they, you know, these are people who have not sort of grown outside of that sphere of, right. you know, of this little bubble. Right. Right. And it's a matter of saying, I'm going to talk to that person. I'm going to look at that person. I'm going to read that thing. I'm going to check this thing out. Right. To live outside of that bubble. Because once you live outside the bubble, what ends up also ends up happening as an artist is you start to be inspired in ways that you've never been inspired before because you're looking at things you, you, don't, you haven't historically looked at. You're having conversations and dialogue and you're seeing pictures and photographs and, and sitting back and doing that. But if you're, if you're living in your, in your Fox bubble all the time or your MSNBC bubble all the yeah. time, or whatever it's going to be, your church bubble, whatever that's going to be all the time. 
that is nothing but a breeding ground for intolerance. Well, because it's like if, if you're only if you only have that one thing that you know, right? It's like, oh, I like fried fish, but I won't eat sushi because that's raw, right? Because that's raw, right? You know, you're supposed to have it fried. It's interesting you know? because I was having a conversation with a woman uh, yesterday uh, in France. We could say that I was skyping in France because I'm going to France, I'm going to France, going to be teaching in France, going to France. He says, man, Professor. He's going man to France. He's going to France. He's going to be teaching in France. <laughs> Professor Manifester is doing that. So um, she's uh, within the. Within the improv community, there are people who call who won't call improv acting, and I'm thinking, what? You're teaching improvisation, and you won't call it acting. She How says it's separate. Acting? I don't know. And one of the things that gets me about about in, improv people is they don't see it as acting, but all improv is acting. You're getting up on stage. You're doing a scene. You're having. You've got an objective. You've got in. Uh, I can, I think I can see where. Because I, you know, as a director, when I call in, have auditions and I have improv actors, you know, then do scene work for me. Right. It becomes more about the improv in the scene. Like it, it, what's written on the page becomes less important sometimes. Right. Not for all, all times, but sometimes there are improv actors who go, oh, I could make this funnier. Right. They, they, they come into an audition with that thought. Right. And it's like. So I understand, like, oh, well, if you're a real actor, then no, you know, you'd follow what's on the page. But to say that improv is not acting, it's kind of a ridiculous statement. But it goes to the basis of what you're saying. The foundation of what you're saying is these guys are coming in not seeing this stuff as anything other than they're, they're coming in saying, oh, I'm, go I'm auditioning for a play. So I'm going to have to put on my acting shoes. And I look at it thinking, you're auditioning for a play, period. You're an actor auditioning for a play. Are you telling me that Dave Pasquese, do you know Dave? I love Dave Pasquese. So you look at Dave Pasquese and you go, oh, so Dave is not going to really hunker down or is going to think that he, could, he, can, he can do better than what the playwright screenwriter put down because he's a great improviser? No. There's a respect that we have for the theater that is based upon the work that we, what we call ourselves. We call ourselves actors. That's what we are. We are actors. I mean, I, I did... Um... A show at the Remains Theater in Chicago with mm -hmm. Dave Pasquese. What There's, show was that? Um, it was the Bobby, uh, the one, uh, the, uh, the Chicago Seven. Trial. Oh, you did Chicago Seven. Yeah, Scott Lowell was in that. Scott too. Lowell was in that Del as well. Close was in that. Del Close. <laughs> I remember Dell because Dell was very funny, and he he was trying to stop smoking. Remember he had all those rubber bands. Yes, yes he I would do, snap man. the rubber bands. Yep. Yeah. You know. Oh my yep. gosh. Yep. But looking at that, looking at that, what part did you play? I was like, I just got in LA. I just got in Chicago, uh -huh. and I was um, the like court okay, officer. Yeah, I saw you. I saw. I saw that show. God, it's amazing. Looking back on all those shows in Chicago at that time, I'm thinking, oh right, you were in that show. I remember seeing a show with Scott. I remember, of course, seeing shows with David and Dell. Uh, looking at shows that remains at the Organic Theater, uh, Steppenwolf. Uh, Goodman. That's where I started at Steppenwolf. What did you do at Steppenwolf? Um, I was, I went to, uh, Illinois Wesleyan University uh -huh. and I was, long story short, they told me that was a little too, my, my way of thinking was not quite ethnic enough. Um, and so they put me, so, uh, Wesleyan said, you should go on this program in Chicago called the Urban Studies Program. Well, what's that? It's where we take what we consider overprivileged black kids and we throw them into the, into the South Side of Chicago to work. And I went, I'll do it. And anyway, long story short, so. 
I had an internship, my first internship. I'm in Chicago. I'm not knowing how this whole program is working. They said, you need an internship. So I said, I said what do you, you want to do? I said, I want an internship in theater. He says, oh, the final list of theaters. And at that time, you went through the phone book. You know, you looked up theaters in the phone book and hoped you hit a real theater. And the first theater, I, one of the first theaters I called was Wisdom Bridge. And I called Wisdom Bridge and I actually talked to Bob Falls. And he, was, you know, <laughs> and he says, well, come on by, take the train. I'm on the south side, so I take right. the train up to Wisdom Bridge. Right, on Howard, right yeah. on Howard. The last stop, right. you know, I'm on like right almost the last stop on one end to the last stop on the other end. And um, go there. And I start, and it's like, I'm in this, uh, I start, they said, oh, so we want to hire you as an intern. And I would come in and I would do all the props for the show. Right. So I would like literally spend a day where I would punch a pinhole in the bottom of a real beer can, drain the beer, refill it with water, and then do the, fix the bottom. So the Scott Jake, who was in the show, right. would have beer to Scott open and drink. Jake. Right, right, right. And, it was the most boring, tedious. Where I was like, "This is not what I thought it was going to be." Right. And literally, some I was at a, a bar, even though I was like nineteen, I was at a bar, and welcome to Chicago. Right. And um, I said, "Is there, is there any other theaters around?" Someone said, "Oh, Steppenwolf." I said, "What are they about?" I was like, "You know, well, they're I hear they're pretty good." I go, "Where is it?" They said on um on Halstead. Uh, Halstead. Mm-hmm. So I literally walked. The next day, I got off the train at Belmont, walked, right. walked to the, uh, when they were on... Uh, right, right across the street from that one bar. The, uh, uh, gaslight. Yes, exactly. From the gaslight. <laughs> right, right. Knocked on the door. It's so funny to look at it. <laughs> it's such a Chicago thing to do. Like, what bar was that across the street? Yeah. Oh, he's gaslight. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I knocked on the door. Deb Gore, who was a production manager there, uh-huh. answered, she goes, hi, I go, hey, are you looking for uh, interns? And they were like, okay. And literally, she walked me in. She goes, what do you know about theater? And they were rehearsing the Miss Firecracker contest. And I remember going in, and I and there was Joan Beth Allen, Henley? Is that Beth Henley. Beth Henley. Right. Uh, they were all, all these people were sitting there. I didn't know who any of them were. Of course, of course, but, you know, of course. Now, course. looking back, I go, oh my God, oh, oh my God. It must have been Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf. Beth Henley, you know, right? Joan Allen. Right. <laughs> and so, and they're rehearsing that. And they go, well, we're doing this show. Uh, can you work some backstage stuff? I was like, sure. And I get backstage, and literally it was three cues I was responsible for. Uh-huh. And I was like, I did them all during the attack without, they go, don't you need a headset? What? I, I'm listening. And they were like, really? I was there for two years. I mean, I trained. I, that was my training. Were you also in show a show there, too? <clears throat> I did a show after I left there, um, uh, putting hit Wilson. But, uh-huh. but it Wait, was who that. wrote that? Um, that's Mark Twain's story. That's that, right. uh, Meryl right. Friedman. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, I was thinking Mark, Mark Twain is a, yeah. was standing in my head. And, but like, you know, my teachers, Jeff Perry, right. Terry Kinney, right. uh, John Malkovic, right. you know, John, right. you know, who's the sister Becky and I are still very close. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the people who like would take me aside and tell me things and teach me things. And I would watch them on stage. The first monologue I ever did was a monologue from uh, Cloud Nine. Mm-hmm. It's the monologue that Jeff Perry did in the show. And every night I would watch it. If I would watch it and I would memorize his inflections right. and this sound and I would go into auditions and do the exact same monologue the exact same way. How'd that work out for you? Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like, you know, but I, but I would steal. And right. if you're going to steal, you might as well steal from the best. I mean, right. I mean, well, but that's how it works, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, uh, isn't how it works? Uh, who was saying this? Harry Connick Jr. was saying when he first started singing, he was Frank Sinatra, and then one day he went to a gig. He le- he left the gig and he was uh, in a cab ride home, saying, "I'm not Frank Sinatra. I'm Harry Connick Jr. now." Where you just say, where you shed that 
which I used to have a program that was, I was the only member of the program, and it was called uh, Adopt an Actor Program. And I adopted, so I'd look at an actor, and I would adopt them, and I would be them. What would, and for me, it was uh, WWJLD. What would Joe List do? And I would look at Joe List, and I would go, I like every <laughs> choice to Australia. that he- Move to Australia. No, sorry, move to New Zealand is what he would do now. No, 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 no. Uh, Joe lives in, Joe lives in uh, Oakland now. He I moved to I, Oakland. Wait. Uh, you might be thinking of somebody else. You're thinking of somebody else because he didn't. Wait, Joe List lives in Oakland now. Yes, Joe List used to live here. He was yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought he. Then who am I thinking that moved to uh, New Zealand? I Some know a couple Joe. guys. I know a couple guys who moved to New Zealand. Some white guy named Joe. I bet that there's a white guy named Joe. I know a white Somewhere. guy named Ben who moved to New Zealand. Ben Zolno. Uh, but. Uh, looking at that, I would say we look at somebody, we model ourselves off of that, and then eventually we become ourselves. If we, if when we do this enough and long enough, I, I, often and long enough, I think because it's very weird. I used to have, I had so many horrible auditions, and I was because again, I wasn't being authentic. I was being Jeff Perry. I was being, you know. Um, Terry Kinney or whoever these folks were I had in my head right. that were, in my opinion, very successful and very talented. Right. And I remember the first successful audition I had was I did um, History of the American Film at, um, uh, this is when age hurts because... Well, it's also not just yeah. age, but how many things you've done. Well, it's not this just is age, like the first experience. thing I did in Chicago was History of the American Film. Celeste Janiszewski was in it. Um, Where was the theater? Uh, in Piper's Alley. Uh-huh. Not Remains, but the other one. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, the other theater that was in Piper's Alley. Right, right, and right. And it was the first, and I played like 11 characters, mm-hmm. and I remember getting my first review. Right. And was like, oh, oh. Right. They're reviewing me, not reviewing, they're reviewing the work that I did, not right. the work that I've put upon myself as someone else. It wasn't the practical. No. No. Okay. Um, I have a horrible feeling. That's right. Never mind. Someone's we'll figured out. Go, really? Right now. Yeah. Really? Well, right now, someone's going, really? Someone's screaming. Really? That often yeah. happens where I go, I can't remember that It'll president come to who me. was shot. Ralph Concepcion, it will come to me. Right. I, all the people are coming back to me. Joan and Wally, it will come to me. I swear to you. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really phenomenal, the experiences that we've had. And, and again, growing up in Chicago and saying, Chicago, and, and uh, who's telling me about this? Oh, Bernadette Burkett, yeah, when she was sitting in the chair a couple of days ago, she Mrs. said- Mrs. George Wendt. Yes, Mrs. George Wendt. Yep. She said- that Sheldon Patinkin said that Chicago is a very forgiving city in terms of the art. And I remember somebody saying, Chicago is one of these cities where when you do a shitty production, when, you, you're, when you're shitty in a show, someone will say, you are really bad. What's the next <laughs> show you're going to do? So they're not going to yeah. go, give it up. They're going to say, what's oh, the next show? Absolutely. And when I think of all the shitty little theaters that I was at doing shows that, 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 that Michael, I did not understand a fucking thing was going. There was a show called at the prop theater called The Chinese Wall that I was in. I had no idea what that fucking show was about. I did a show about a potato. About a potato that came to life at Playwrights that uh, Playwrights Arena, Playwrights yeah, yeah, on yeah. Clark Street. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Playwrights yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah. And it was about a potato. Was it a children's show? No. Jesus Christ. It was a, 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 a hour and 45 minute show. With an intermission? With an intermission. Did anybody go? I don't remember. For me, I but think But it was a about a potato. Right. A lot of these shows, I, I vowed I will never do another show that uh, I didn't understand. 
which lasted a second. And then someone goes, you want to be in the show? And when you're younger, you go, I'll be in a show. I need to do a show. I got to pad my. And what you don't remember is how hard it was to memorize the script because you didn't know what the fuck the words meant. And, and, and nobody came to the show. And you'd look out and there's like three people. You guys, you want to do the show? Are we going to do the show? And you fucking do the show for three people. What do you learn from that? I think you learn um, that, you know, you go on and you just, you know, you learn from that experience. You know, I, 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 I am every day. I'm still learning from every experience that I have on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm mostly, I'm, I'm directing a lot now and I try to, you know, give my wisdom to these younger actors, you know, which you know, sounds a little pretentious, but it's true because I see actors making horrible mistakes. Well, what you're also doing that there, I did, you know, yeah, you're mentoring them. But some actors look at it as, oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that note. Thank you for giving me that. Then there's the other actors like, I know that. Right. But you know what? And you fuck go, those yeah, people. Fuck you. You know, fuck in you. 70 years, you're going to be dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be waiting on the other side for you. <laughs> go, told yourself. <laughs> told I you want to say I told you told something, you but I'm not going to. Come what over here. Come over here. Right. Come, <laughs> come over here. Come over here. You are, uh, it's interesting. Uh, well, it's such a boring word. Um, I was talking to, uh, to, to Sam Pancake. You know Sam, right? Uh, the the yeah. delicious Sam Pancake. He's so great. Yes. He's so great. And Sam was saying how he is seen as a mentor at, because of an older gay man and there aren't many older gay men. Well, because our generation all died. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. They all died. And, and, and you, when someone, and I don't know that you, you probably don't think of yourself because you just live your life, you get up and you, you've got your family and all that sort of stuff. But there's also something about people hanging on words that you're saying. And I'm not saying this, there's no reason for me to say this other than, isn't it interesting the older we get and the more we look at things like, my theater is my life and it helps me to live my life. And so people will look at you and say, I want to live that life too, or I want to live a life where my art is my life. And, and, and Michael Shepard is one of those people that I can look at and, and follow. Jeff Perry is another one too, you know, those Steppenwolf people. Steppenwolf, I mean, and they're still also giving. I mean, I see Jeff or Laurie. Right. Laurie. I mean, these are, Laurie I, mean, I, I go, you know, this is, 30 years ago. Right. And I still, I think the thing that I marvel the most about is that there's this really fat black kid who grew up in this tiny little town looking at TV, wanting to know what that world was about, never ever thinking that he would discover that world. And flash forward, you know, 40 years later, and the people that I was idolizing and looking at are now my contemporaries and I'm working with them and I'm having dialogue with them and they're calling me, asking me for fucking advice. And I'm going, what is this? <laughs> you know, like I remember seeing um, uh, Eight Misbehaving on like PBS mm -hmm. and I was like going, oh my God, you know, look at that, that uh, all those people, they're the most amazing people in the world. I can, what, you know, and now... I just talked to Ken Page this morning because his <laughs> Facebook page got his, his uh, email got hacked. I did uh, no, I was the la you know I did a, a, a musical with Nell Carter and I was the last person hanging with with her when she died. You know, it's like you know I I'm, I know I'm Miriam McQueen. I just saw you know all these people that I go these are who am I right you know right. like right. like how the hell did this person this person become living in Los Angeles, become one of the 60 most fascinating people in Los Angeles. 
What who the said hell? that? Who said that? LA Weekly. Right. And, you know, their big glossy magazine thing. I was like, who am I? Right. What you is, know? So, so not the question of who am I, but really the, the if you're going to say the common denominator, the, the common denominator, the thing that brought you to this person, what was that? Um, I think it was belief that the words that I, the, that the language that was spoken to me when I was growing up was not the language I was going to live by. Say that one more time. The language that was spoken to me while I was growing up was not the language I was going to live by. The language that was spoken to me when I was growing up was not the language I was going to live by. Yes. And for you uh, to experience that, and when you're younger, you say, I need to make that make sense. And then somebody would say that again, and you somebody would say something again, you go, I need, that doesn't make sense to me. I need to make that make sense. And then somebody would say that again or something like that, and you go, I need to make that make sense. And it never worked. And then what happened one day was you go, it doesn't work because it's not true for me. It's not true for me. When What is true for you? Um, that I like to speak my truth. That the older I get, the more fearless I get. The more I realize that I own me and, I, and I'm enough, that I don't care what other people think about me. It doesn't hurt. And um, my beliefs are very much uh, centered in love of my family, love of my marriage, love of my art, my career, and love of my friends and the people I know who care about me. It's like, so when someone says to me, you know, well, you know, such and such doesn't really like you. They don't believe in what you think about. Well, such and such kiss my black ass. Right. Because I don't care. Again, I don't need that energy in my world. So I dismiss them, which, of course, then makes me more attracted to that person because it's gotten back to them that I said, fuck you, kiss my ass. And they go, oh, well, what is it about him? How can he say that to me? You know, what makes him strong enough to be able to use those words? And it's like, so it's like I'm attracting the very thing that I'm pushing away. I'm also attracting because people are like, how are you so honest? How, how you know, you don't care that you hurt that person's feeling. And I say to people, and I say this to actors a lot, I am here, I'm not here to hurt your feelings. I'm here to tell you the truth. And if you can't handle that truth and me pushing you, especially if you're in a show of mine, I'm gonna push you. And there may be times you might be very frustrated. You might cry, you might get upset. But when you get to the other side, you're gonna be like, oh, thank God, thank you. But if you're not strong enough to get to the side, then you might wanna reconsider either taking a different path or uh, toughening up, something like that, because it's a very difficult world we live in, especially for black actors, for any actor of color. I mean, it's like, you and know. a gay actor. It's, well, a gay actor. How, how, how uncommon in the theater. <laughs> a gay? A gay black actor. <clears throat> a, a gay black out actor. A gay black out actor. That's different than a gay black actor, because I it. know a bunch of gay black actors. Right. I don't know a whole lot of gay black out actors. Right. And that the courage of that too i don't know if it's courage or just the fact that for me to be start having the success that i'm having if i didn't live that truth i mean i have friends who are just a fucking mess because it's like you know they're so busy trying to pretend something i'm like okay you 45 you live with your roommate and uh you know you, you've been living with the same roommate for 10 11 years and your roommate is also an actor, and you always show up places together, but you think nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's like, come on. Right. Live, you know, it's so much easier.
Well, it goes back to what we we're talking about about the the people that the Pentecostal people and how they live their life because there's so much fucking work that you have to do in order to hide your truth. And what you do is you live a lie when you're not hiding. When you're not living your truth, you're living a lie. And the lie is so much harder to maintain than the freedom that comes with the truth. But the freedom that comes with the truth, people say it's like a band-aid that you're ripping off, but I don't see it that way at all. I think that it must be the feeling that's similar to a caterpillar at the point that the wings come out and become a butterfly. Yeah. That moment right there. Is that painful? I don't know. You can't help but get to that point. And the moment that the, the caterpillar can, can, can fight it as much as he wants, and, um, or he or she, the caterpillar can fight it as much as it wants, but it's not going to stop the evolution that it wants to be. And as much, and, and, and uh, scientifically, the caterpillar does struggle, and you see the struggle of the caterpillar and what ends up happening is at there's some tipping point where the caterpillar just goes huh. <laughs> uh, uh. which of course now i want to play, make that play happen it's better than a potato <laughs> uh, let's stop there <laughs> it's Thank better so than much. a potato <laughs> today's episode was sponsored by italian-based blues band veronica and the red wine serenaders winner of the 2013 European Blues Challenge. For more information on their new album, The Mexican Dress, you can go to their website at www.redwineserenaders.it. Now the summer is going away Like your daddy is going for good I never felt so dark gone down I wanna kiss my word and mind I have a simple cue for my soul It's free my mind, my heart, and I know My dancing shoes are red and shine I wanna boogie all over tonight And I'm gonna dance this blues away Like the preacher gonna let me sway Hold my hips, grip me tight We'll live our dream and I'm in summer night I'm gonna wear that Mexican dress Put some flowers in my hair Silver rings, red lipstick There'll be a party downtown tonight There'll be a party downtown tonight There'll be a party Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy for Dave Rizowski. I'm Ian Foley.